0: It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially... In 310 days, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins away.
1: best buckeye podcast by fans for the fans
2: where they hate that team up north as much as you do it's time for the ohio podcast oh
1: welcome back to the ohio podcast everybody i am buckeye boggs that man over there is the wild man chris wilds and you are you and welcome in to the ohio podcast everybody it's good to have you back for another live episode episode number two (coughs) hundred and ninety nine chris is choked up about that two hundred and ninety nine episodes man i tell you what we just keep pumping them out left and right and that's because of all of you guys like larry daniels hello from east central ohio larry back up in the great state of ohio huh awesome that you're tuning in again tonight despite uh apparently not being down in florida good to have you with with us tonight ryan wickerham What's my guys what's up so uh we've got a lot to talk about tonight um it's actually going to be a fun show and we want to make sure that all of you are participating in tonight's show because we have a lot of really good topics to to talk about but Chris, as always, as we dive into this thing, and by the way, I think we're going to check here in just a minute. I think we're live on Rumble for the first time. We've been trying and efforting that for a while, so uh, I'll double check that in just a minute to see if we are, are good there, but we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we prefer... You watch us on YouTube because that uh, helps out the algorithm. If you are, please give us a thumbs up, a like. That'll send this out to more people in their feeds. Hopefully more Buckeye fans will join us on Sunday nights and we can continue to have a great community to talk about our Buckeyes. That being said, Chris, let's get into topic number uno, number one tonight. Our continuing previews of the season, Big Ten previews. Next up, we did defensive lineman last week. It's the linebackers this week. And here's how we've done this. One of us has taken the lead in that, given our list from 10 through one. We'll do the top five or the bottom five, if you will, first. Then the top five next. And then uh, the other one responds. In the meantime, we want to hear your comments as well on who you think the best linebackers in the Big Ten are this season. Put those comments in the comment section. Let us know what you think. Chris, take it away. Number 10, rock and roll, man.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, this uh, we we talked about it a little bit beforehand. This could be fun because uh, linebackers were not easy to do this year. So let's start it out. Number 10, let's go over to Nebraska. And I've got Luke Reamer from Nebraska in there. He's returning as a fifth-year senior, had a good 2022, 20, 86 tackles, a sack, five passes defense, and an interception. He was actually down a little from the previous year. But over the last couple years, He's averaged 8.6 tackles per game, played his best game against top opponents in Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, and Oklahoma last year. So I look for a big year from him this year. Number nine, we're going to travel over to Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern, I actually have two Northwestern guys on this. The first one is Xander Mueller. Mueller comes in at number nine. He had 87 tackles last season, three sacks, a fumble recovery. Two passes defense, two interceptions, nice little stat line. Showed a lot of grit for the Wildcats. But you got to kind of wonder, Eric, was his stat line amassed because of his talent or because of the number of opportunities that he had? Because as we all know, that Northwestern offense was nothing short of horrid. And at number eight, I've got his teammate, Bryce Gallagher. Now, Gallagher had 100 tackles and is one of the few guys with 100 tackles that is this low on the list. Uh, he had 1.5 sacks, an interception for the Wildcats last season as well. Very good player on a very bad team. Number seven, and I, I may get some criticism for this because I got him down the list a little bit, but that's Steel Chambers. Uh, Chambers really grew into that linebacker position in 2022, finished the year second in tackles on the team behind Tommy Eichenberg, 77 tackles, two sacks. A fumble recovery, two passes defense, two interceptions. Really nice stat line. And Eric, as we know, Chambers really showed out versus Georgia in that final game. Uh, You know, he had eight tackles, half a sack, an interception. I think he's poised to have a great season this year. Would not surprise me if he's not in the top five by the end of the season for me. Number six, Eric, I'm going to prove what an uncultured swine I am right here. Because we are going to go up to Luke Fickles, Wisconsin Badgers.
1: Oh, this you're going to butcher this one, man.
2: Maima Njongmeta. <laughs> you did get well, the first name. You did great. Njongmeta, I believe it is. We'll go with that. Uh,
1: maybe. But, I don't know.
2: <laughs> but, uh, hey, he had a great season last year either way. 95 tackles, three and a half sacks, an interception, and a pass defense. It was third team all Big Ten. And you know what? With Nick Herbig gone, he should be the man on that Badgers defense this yeah, season. Yeah. So did, that is did? my my ten through six, Eric. What do you think? Did
1: you have it number 10 again? I missed that. I was messing Luke around. Luke
2: from Nebraska.
1: Okay. I didn't have him either. All right. I had I had two of your of your five. I had three of your five overall. I've got uh the Wisconsin linebacker uh much higher than you, but I had Ernest Hausman from Michigan, number 10. Uh, he's a transfer from Nebraska. He had 54 tackles in a sack last year. Number nine, I had Cody Lindenberg from Minnesota. 71 tackles in a sack last year. Number eight, I had where I had Chambers. and I'll talk about him in just a second. Number seven was Bryce Gallagher. I wanted to put him higher, Chris, but given <laughs> given everything that's happened, in in Northwestern this off season, it's just really hard for me to.
2: Do you find it surprising that he, he and Muir are both still at Northwestern? Yeah, I, I do,
1: I do, yeah. And number six, you got you probably have this guy higher, and that is Nick Jackson from Iowa. Iowa, 104 tackles and five sacks last year from Virginia. So I had two of the five, um and then like I said, I have the Wisconsin linebacker much higher than you. um But let's talk about Steel Chambers for a second, since mm-hmm. this is an Ohio State podcast. Um, Steel Chambers is a national freaking treasure he is if you listen or watch his interviews he is freaking hilarious i've met the young man in person he is not a backwards at all not a shame he's a talker he's a great trash talker i've heard um and the dude is just energy complete energy brought in as a running back switched over to the linebacker room um, two years ago, he was our best linebacker. Mm-hmm. That was before Tommy Eichenberg emerged last year. And then at the end of the season, uh, uh, two years ago, but last year became kind of the, uh, the best linebacker we've had in a while at Ohio State. But still, Chambers really solidified that room when there was a lot of chaos in that room two seasons ago, back in, uh, 2021, I guess it was. Um, so yeah, hats off to Steel Chambers. And a pretty I'm glad good all round
2: back. athlete, Eric. Because if you, uh, I don't know if you heard much about what happened at the uh, Cardale Jones uh, celebrity uh, I have football not game, but he actually finished second to Emeka Egbuca in the home run derby.
1: Emeka Buka won the home run he der- did. derby. He Dude, dude, dude's a stud yeah dude's a stud uh donald Hoffer, uh, how's it going tonight donald good to see you tonight buddy if tommy doesn't finish top three in the buckus award this year i think it'll be a disappointment of a season from him on a personal scale
2: I think yeah he doesn't I, want it that's a disappointment for him yeah, i really I, do
1: i i agree with that uh all the preseason pronounced pronosticators have him as the top linebacker in um the big ten and a lot of them have him as a top linebacker in the country and there is some buzz that he might be the top linebacker drafted next season so definitely if not round one definitely round two or three second day pick if he doesn't go in the first day in the first round um speaking of steel ryan wickerham Steel's mom's coming to my tailgate this year dude if she's anything like he is she would be a great interview as well oh yeah (laughs) she would be fun no doubt about that, dude. So so we differ a little bit, and I knew we would because I'll be That's honest. That's good because
2: we're always in lockstep, it seems like, on so many of these, <laughs> these uh, things we do.
1: We are, but I will also say this. Out of all the position groups in the Big Ten that we've looked at so far, the, the linebackers in the Big Ten are kind of weak. Used to be the linebacking, linebacking play in the Big Ten was tops. Yeah, And it feels like there's been a little bit of a drop-off here. So is it the style of offenses and playing college football? Probably. A lot of defenses are running 4 25s now. I was going to
2: say, let's remember, there used to be three and four linebackers to choose yeah. from, you know? Yeah.
1: All
2: so right. That, so that
1: goes into it as well. All let's right, go on to the top
2: five, five Eric. And I'll tell you what. Don't tell Cal Halliday there's been a drop-off because Cal Halliday from Michigan State led the conference in tackles last year, 120 tackles. Yeah, no surprise, given the number of opportunities with that Spartans uh, offense being as inept as it was last year. But seven games, he registered 10 or more tackles. Only had one game of less than six, and that was comes in a blowout win versus Akron, where he saw very little playing time. Halliday's final stat line for the year, 120 tackles, one and a half sacks, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, good enough to win all Big Ten first team honors. You know, uh, he didn't show a lot of coverage as much last year as he did the previous year, but, you know, he can cover a little bit too. In 2021, he actually had two interceptions as well with a similar stat line across the board, you know, down a few tackles, but uh, pretty similar than that. Number four, yeah, I had to give him one, Eric. So I want junior Colson from that team up north. Uh, Colson was a bit of a tackling machine for the Wolverines last year, 101 tackles, two sacks, a pass defense. He had at least five tackles in all but two of those games. And, again, those were blowout games versus Rutgers in Hawaii. Uh, he topped the 10 tackle mark four times. Should be in for another solid season this year. Look at that top three. Number three, we're going to go over to Penn State. We're gonna, that's where we're going to find Abdul Carter. Carter had a huge impact as a freshman. 56 tackles, six and a half sacks. Uh, Two forced fumbles and a pass defense. Now, he didn't get 100 tackles like everybody else in this list. But you know what? Remember two things. First, he was only a freshman. And second, his six and a half sacks was fourth best in the Big Ten and second best among Big Ten linebackers, only trailing uh, Nick Herbig of Wisconsin. So the future is really bright for this young man, and that should scare a lot of Big Ten quarterbacks. Number two, this is where I went with the transfer, Eric. I went with Virginia to Iowa transfer Nick Jackson. Jackson was a beast the last three seasons, is one of the top linebackers in the S. Uh, I'm sorry, the ACC. Over the last three seasons, he's had over hundred tackles, over three sacks, and over three passes defensed each season. Last year was his best year: 104 tackles, five sacks, four passes defense, and a fumble recovered. Now he goes to Iowa, where despite the uh, ineptitude of the offense. Kirk Ferentz always has a dominant defense, and it's usually fueled by a tremendous linebacker. And you know what? This year, he this could be him. And uh, number one, that's right, Tommy Two Thumbs. Tommy Eichenberg, 120 tackles, two and a half sacks, three passes defensed, an interception, which led to a touchdown. Could have easily come out, I think, last year and been a day two draft pick. Returns for his, the, the season this year. He's a leader of what should be a drastically improved defense in Noel's second year, and I think he is easily the best linebacker in the conference if not in the nation. So there is my five through one. I have number five, Cal Halliday, number four, Junior Colson, three Abdul Carter, two Nick Jackson, and number one Tommy Eichenberg.
1: All right, so we, we are, we're pretty close on this actually. At number five, I got Cal Halliday as well. Uh, man, dude, 120 tackles, one and a half sacks, second only to Tommy Eichenberg as far as these uh, as returning tackle leaders in the Big Ten for linebackers. I got Abdul Carter, number four from Penn State. Uh, again, tackle numbers down a little bit compared to everybody else, but those six and a half sacks are definitely impressive. It's something that a lot of uh, uh, offensive coordinators and offensive lines need to be aware of. Penn State's uh, linebacking core is supposed to be the best in the Big Ten, according to the experts. I don't know about I don't that. See one. It. I don't know about that. I think Ohio State's better. Um, I think that even Michigan might be better. Um, so, but I, you know, Iowa, Northwestern's got a couple guys like you brought up. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see what the, the stats tell us at the end of the year and, and you know, the stops, the getting off the field on third down, things like that. Number two, here's where I have the Wisconsin uh, linebacker, Muama. Najong Meta. That's close, maybe no on cultured swine. Yeah, you bet. Yes, we are. 90, Ninety-five tackles, three and a half sacks for Bucky Badgers, top uh, linebacker. And and given Luke Fickle's style of defense, he's going to thrive, absolutely thrive. Uh, and then Tommy Two Thumbs, without a doubt, number one. I mean, it's it's not even a debate. I would say most of the other Big Ten. Podcasts on Big Banter would have to agree with us that Tommy Eichenberg is the, he's the head of the class in this linebacking core, and you know what, I'm tempted to put a third Buckeye on here just based on potential. But DJ, let's see how things go for Mister Hicks this season.
2: And 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 I'll tell you, Eric, there there were a couple that were outside looking in, like Aaron Casey from Indiana. You know, I yeah. think he's got he's got a lot of potential there but do you know that even the Michigan guys are acknowledging uh, Tommy two thumbs as the man in the big ten
1: yeah and so. they're also they also like to say that he was completely out of position when they were ran it for 80 some yards for the game-winning touchdown and everything else
2: All oh, you know they got to talk their trash
1: right he did get sucked in the line on that play bad uh, but anyways I digress okay So that's that Uh, we continue. We got what we got the defensive backs left. That's it. And then we've we've previewed every position again this year going into the season, but that's a lot of fun. This one, we need your help on everybody. Okay. So before we go to commercial break, we spend the rest of the show talking about intimidation from Ohio state players. We have got to talk about a, what if what if the big 10 ended up being able to trade a school, obviously that school being Northwestern, to another conference, who would we get? Now, here, and obviously we want your participation on this, everybody, but here's the thing. you, if This isn't like a trade for a school to be named later or a vending yeah. machine and some cash, okay? Like, and
2: I actually chose a school from each conference to give you a...
1: So did I. <laughs> but here's the thing. It has to be a school of equivalent... Uh, Skill level, Mm -hmm. in other words, you can't trade Northwestern to the SEC for Alabama. Okay, not going to happen.
2: Not to mention, we'd trash the entire GPA of the Big Ten Conference
1: (laughs) just by losing Northwestern, unless you're going to get one particular school out of the Pac 12 and maybe one out of the ACC.
2: Well, there's an SEC that's up there, there is one,
1: and I've just okay, so all right. Anyways, let's start. Let's start out west, work our way east. Is that okay. fair? Yeah. All right. So again, we want your guys' participation in this, guys. So obviously put in the comments. Let's start with the Pac 12. You get on uh Scarlet and Game tomorrow and type it in and Scarletandgame.com. Want to read an article from yours truly. And there it is. Boom, right away. You find out. That Ohio State has traded Northwestern to the Pac 12 for which school?
2: For me, it's got to be Stanford, Eric. I mean, academically, just as prestigious. Uh, They've got a decent history with sports. And while the football team is slightly better historically than Northwestern, over the past five seasons, both programs have the same amount of wins 23. Uh, You know, you got 23 and 32 is where Stanford is, 23 and 36 is where you find. Northwestern slightly slightly better in basketball I, I went with the two money-making sports sure uh, 79 and 76 is where you find Stanford 67 and 84 is where you I'm sorry yeah 67 and 84 is where you find Northwestern so these two schools are very very close um, for me I think a big part of this too is who is one of Stanford's natural rivals Eric come the, on uh...
1: The fighting Irish.
2: That's right. It makes sense. If we're going to try to lure those guys in, let's bring a rival in. Hey, and one more thing. We just expanded out west. I'm sure our friends in uh, Los Angeles would be a lot happier if they had one more game they got to spend in California rather than having to come east.
1: Larry Daniels brings up a good one. I'm going to throw it up at you here, Chris, and get your two cents. Would you trade Northwestern for the Cow Bears?
2: I don't – I think they are somewhat similar. Uh, I think it's a it's a valid choice.
1: Stanford's I, better.
2: I think Stanford's better. And, again, I think that for me – well, first of all, it sets up a couple of interesting dynamics. One is the Notre Dame factor, but two, What who, who was it that was the last really successful head football coach at Stanford? Some Yahoo up uh, from the state up north?
1: Har, Harbaugh maybe? Yeah, I mean – Yeah, so there's an interesting
2: dynamic with that
1: as well. Robert Allen says Utah. I think I don't think Pac-12 would make that trade. No, Utah's Utah's values.
2: Yeah, ever since Urban was there, their football program's been. If you
1: look at this as like, uh, if you were to say the conference, if the conference commissioners could do this, they were like general managers. The value of Utah right now is like what a number three hitter in baseball like for that conference two at Probably. the least maybe a, a, a five-hole guy
2: yeah they're, they're definitely a guy in the top five your north
1: your northwestern and your is, is right now in the big 10 is is in the nine hole man like they're
2: they're
1: <laughs> that's the guy you definitely don't want to pitch around man so um, they're more like a
2: pinch runner than a pinch hitter even
1: yeah okay so that's so donald Hofford get, has a great list we'll go over your list at the end donald because you throw a bunch of schools out there so that's the Pac-12. I mm-hmm. think you hit the nail on the head. You got my school. I think Stanford for Notre Dame is a fair trade. All right. Let's go to the Big 12 next.
2: So for me, Eric, yeah, I would love to say Cincinnati, but Cincinnati on another level than what Northwestern is right now with their sports program. So I can't really look at that as an equal. And Northwest, you know, Northwestern, I think – Academically, I think academically, they're going to be better than anybody in the Big Twelve. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. So for me, I had to go to a personal favorite. You know, it's been five years since this team's had a winning record in a less than dominant Big Twelve concert or conference. I think they're similar to Northwestern on the field. The records would indicate that as their football team has gone 30 and 29, their basketball team slightly better at 90 and 73. Another similarity, their once revered basketball coach is surrounded in controversy and embroiled in a bitter feud with their university. So they do have that in common. And let's face it, I don't know if you've been there, Eric, but Morgantown's a beautiful city. I think it would create a great potential rivalry for Penn State, Maryland, and even Rutgers if we bring West Virginia in. Uh, While we might lose a TV market in Chicago, I'm not going to lie, I'd rather travel to an away game in West Virginia where I don't have to worry about hundred mile an hour winds, bad parking and even worse driving. So for me, I'm going West Virginia. All
1: right. So I did not look at academics with this one either, because again, it's the big 12, right? Um, But I did, it came down to two schools for me. It came down to TCU and Iowa state. Now TCU, because of the Dallas market, but then mm-hmm. I realized you know, there's no way the Big Twelve is going to give up TCU for Northwestern,
2: and th- there's, there's there. no way that Jim Harbaugh is going to allow TCU into the Big Ten after what happened to him last year.
1: Iowa State makes more sense to me because of the natural rivalry with Iowa already.
2: Don't they so, have like 14 rivalry games already, Eric?
1: They do, and if and if we traded Northwestern for Iowa State, I would literally literally tell Iowa, that's it you get iowa state that's your one rivalry deal with it um so yeah robert makes a good point tcu but would love to beat up on west virginia but the gpa would take a major hit no matter what you do here the gpa is going to take a major hit it is but i do
2: like the fact that i don't know if he's still down there but gordon gee was still down there
1: at West Virginia. At he, West Virginia, you know, mm-hmm. they yeah. actually have a really good medical program.
2: Good law school down there too, actually.
1: Um, Ryan, I love you, man, but there's absolutely no way the Big Twelve would trade Oklahoma. Plus, I don't
2: know, they might right now since they might. That's true.
1: Yeah, you get them for one year. I would. I'd make that trade for I would one year. That for a year. He's on the. He's but on the last year were, of his contract. Of both of them. Then we, then we can go get Notre Dame, right? I would be, yeah. Okay. No, that, that yeah, I love you, ride That's not equivalent there. Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think, you know, you said West Virginia. That makes sense to a degree. I also think that Iowa State made sense to a degree. So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, do you want to go ACC next and leave SCC for the end, or, or do you want to leave, you want to go SEC next?
2: I think we should go SEC because I think All the right. ACC is a little more interesting. Go for it. All right. For me, the SEC, you've got to go with what I think is the Northwestern of the uh, South, and that's Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 and 42 on the field over the last five years, 70 and 92 in basketball. So slightly better basketball program, slightly lesser football program. Academically, these two schools are on the very same level for the most part. Um, you lose. Again, a TV market in Chicago. But you know what? Nashville, Nashville would be a great place to go for a road game, I think. Nashville
1: Harris. would be a great, great travel destination for the Big yeah. Ten. Yes.
2: So I, I think these two are very, very similar. And probably I would say this would be the most likely to go through as a trade of all the ones we've mentioned. From a standpoint, you, although I'd like, I'd like Stanford as well
1: so yeah so this one makes sense this is a lot like stanford very similar schools very similar academically very similar uh, athletically except for one area there is one area where vanderbilt is very good we it's not a sport we talk a lot but that's baseball
2: oh baseball baseball
1: vanderbilt is really good at baseball and so northwestern is not that would be a serious downgrade for but the sec is loaded in baseball. So yeah. it wouldn't matter. Um, um, they just
2: had two teams playing for the national title. Against yeah.
1: LSU and Florida, which were great games, by the way. I yeah. mean, if you, if you like basketball scores for baseball, my gosh. Yeah. Crazy, crazy games. But uh yeah, Paul Buckeyes in the house. What's up, fellas? Hello, Paul. Good to see you tonight, my friend. So yeah, Vanderbilt for Northwestern. There really is no other SEC school that would be equivalent. No, to that low of competition but here's the thing like oh. i would say northwestern in the last decade has done much more than vanderbilt has football wise
2: oh yeah i mean you're talking not not to the, the last
1: the time teams, vanderbilt but... was anything like like northwestern was when james franklin was but, there
2: but do you realize it feels that way the northwestern only has seven more wins over the last five years than what vanderbilt does
1: I mean, you can stack up at least four wins. You stack up a win a year just based off of who you're playing. Though the SEC plays, because they go down and play that Division One Double A every school every single year.
2: At least one.
1: At least one, if not two. So, yeah.
2: So that leaves us with the ACC, Eric.
1: Yeah. Here, this is the most interesting one. This
2: really is, and I'll tell you, for me, I'm going to go with one again, similar on the field. 28 and 32 versus a 23 and 36 Northwestern. So they have a slight edge in football. Northwestern at 67 and 84 has a slight edge in basketball over their 60 and 89 record. I think both are academically prestigious schools. And I love this one for so many reasons. The similarities in sports and athletics. You trade one big market for another, Eric. Okay. You give up Chicago, but you get Boston.
1: Are you really giving up Chicago by getting rid of Northwestern?
2: Not so much.
1: Chicago is basically, the city of Chicago is basically Notre Dame Central.
2: Yeah, it really is.
1: And 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 then the other part is Illinois fans,
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: more than Northwestern, believe it or not.
2: But I'll tell you what, they, again, like Stanford, Boston College has a built-in rivalry with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm all about bringing Notre Dame in there, if you can't tell, because I personally want to hand it to Marcus Freeman every chance we get. Um, so that can help with them to the conference. And I'll tell you what, let's not forget their head coach was once our defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I think that Man, would create an interesting dynamic as an OSU fan s-
1: still miss them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The um, last time we truly had a great, great defense, I think.
1: Yeah. 2019.
2: So Boston college would be my ACC choice.
1: Robert Allen says sec, ACC. What is the difference? Big Eagles? I'll tell you what the big difference is. SEC actually wins national championships. Robert right um okay uh, yeah you do make a good point robert sec um, would have a, would have worse records if they played nine conference and a power five you're correct yeah absolutely by that absolutely uh, we see that every year play out in bowl games the SEC's yeah. never the record in bowl games is never as impressive as, as they make themselves out to be if you look at bowl records
2: and i'll tell you the um, acc was awesome eric i mean you look some of the schools down there Boston College was my choice but I mean you had Duke you had Virginia you had some of these that were just
1: you haven't you haven't let me give mine yeah good so I wanted to go with Duke but here's the problem with Duke they're t- way too good at basketball yes they would the ACC would never make that trade and then I was like okay well same thing with North Carolina that mm-hmm. knocks them out right here's a school for you that right now has got a little bit of swag in football used to have some swag in basketball is a very good school academically not northwestern but almost wake forest wake forest now nc state's easier to get into than wake forest wake forest is a academically is pretty high still i also thought about i thought about virginia but right now they've got a really good basketball program going but it's not too long ago that uh duncan tim duncan went to wake forest dude yeah I mean, Wake Forest was legit at basketball I, I, back in the 90s. Another interesting
2: one that, that could have been in there, and, you know, they've struggled the last few years, um, which kind of brings them down a little bit historically. They're a much better program. That's Virginia Tech. Over the last few years since Beamer left, they've struggled, you know, quite a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. We're they played two Big Ten teams uh, in the uh, non-conference this year. Um, yeah. Purdue. Who's the other one? Illinois?
2: Illinois. Or Indiana.
1: Illinois. No, it's not Indiana. I think it's Illinois.
2: Illinois I think. it's I think. No, because yeah.
1: Illinois plays Kansas. Well, I'll, I'll look I, that up.
2: I'm pretty sure it's Illinois, isn't it? Because I, I thought I should, chose them.
1: I'll I look I that up real them. fast if I have that. I can't um, remember who
2: it is, Eric. But you know what? I do know you're right. There were two.
1: No, Illinois plays Kansas. Toledo and Florida Atlantic. So I'll, I'll have to dig into that. It's uh, Yeah, they do play two teams in the Big Ten, though. But um, I, I feel like Wake Forest could be a trade. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I like yours, too. Boston College makes sense. Boston College has got a really good hockey program. And Big Ten is really big in hockey. In fact, did you know? Some of you might not know this. The uh, Notre Dame plays in the ACC for every other sport except for football. In hockey, football they're independent. Hockey they play in the Big Ten. Yeah, go figure. So yeah, so that's hey Eric. By the way, it's Rutgers
2: respect. is the other school. It's oh, Rutgers Ruck.
1: and Purdue. Yes, thank you. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So if we could trade a Wake Forest and Rutgers, it's not a bad little rivalry there. East Coast, smart schools. Yeah. That's interesting. So this was an interesting little little you know thing we wanted to do if we could trade Northwestern given what's going on. Here's the scary thing, guys. It is not out of the realm of possibility if things continue to go down the path that they have been going down the last month. That after if they can't stabilize things over there in Evanston, Illinois, that the football program doesn't shut down for a year.
2: Well, but you know, Eric, this program has been – it's not just football now. It's expanded into other sports. Are we Softball. looking at a possible self-imposed death penalty by the university for a few years to get things back and get their house in order, so to speak? And if they do, is, is there going to be a way they can come back from that? I mean, you you look well, – SMU had the death penalty This at one is time, not
1: – listen, right? this is – historically speaking, this is not the first time a school in Chicago has – dealt with an act an athletic program that has collapsed right chicago university did the same thing did you know chicago university used to be one of the original big 10 schools Mm -hmm. along with northwestern and so when chicago athletics basically disbanded and when they came back they came back back as division two and so um yeah there's really there is precedent for this it happened right there in that city of Chicago. And so I hope this doesn't happen because I would fear for all the teams that have Northwestern on their schedule, how are they going to fill that? Um, you know, that well, would be, I, I think be you terrible. look at
2: a lot of the schools, especially the upper tier big 10 schools. I don't see an Ohio state, a Michigan, a Penn state, you know, none of them would have trouble filling the schedule spot. No someone's going to want to come play them simply for the revenue of coming and playing them
1: <laughs> yes but unfortunately Ohio State doesn't one wouldn't have to worry about that because right but I mean you look at a don't play them
2: you look at a Nebraska or a, mm-hmm.
1: all the West schools yeah, yeah
2: the West schools they they could struggle
1: yeah Paul Buckeye we yeah well, Iowa State was when we went went for the big 12 was the school <laughs> I actually brought up so yeah oh good question Larry is is the hazing being treated worse than the Penn State Sandusky scandal? by their school yes
2: I, penn, but i also think that that has something to do with the penn state sandusky scandal. penn state
1: came to that conclusion kicking and screaming because the actual sandusky scandal turned into what did joe paul know and didn't report and so it became a do we fire joe paul or not That's what it boiled down to.
2: That was, and and, you know, for a lot of people who may not be familiar with this, what that became is an issue of violations of the Clery Act. Yeah. Um,
1: Robert Allen just won the internet for the night. What was that? If they shut down the football program, they'll have just the same number of Big Ten wins this year.
2: Nice. (laughs) But yeah, the, the Penn State issue, the big difference that we're seeing right now versus that, is the Penn State issue did become a major legal issue? Right now, we still have yet to see any legal charges. It's It's coming. It's coming. I, I think it has to, Eric. I think yeah. it has to. If it doesn't, there's a problem.
1: I don't know that. I don't know that the university is going to be able to cover this up with with money. I They're going to just... try,
2: but I don't. Think, I'm with you. I don't know if they can.
1: Uh, Donald Hoffer says Joe Paul died, if I remember correctly, before the complete fall. Actually, I think, that's I correct. think that's what, I think it's what killed him. I mean, he was heartbroken. He absolutely was heartbroken. Um, you talk to any P- Penn State fan, and that was the darkest time of that school's existence. Um,
2: that's one ca- of the darkest times in college football history. You Eric. cannot
1: even relate that to when, when Woody Hayes got fired for, you know, punching a Clemson player. It's not even close. No. Um, just the the amount of anguish that fan base was going through um during that time period and the fact that they have bounced back the way they have and they didn't go in the in the in the crapper for 20 years it is a i don't I want to say this without sounding like I'm being um insensitive but shows just how strong of a program Joe Paul actually built yeah to, to that, they were able to bounce back, and you know,
2: it's a real testament to guys like Bill O'Brien and James Franklin who have really, you know, were able to pick up the pieces.
1: Yeah, Bill, Bill O'Brien deserves a lot of, um, he just, he, yeah. He, yeah, he deserves a lot of, uh, uh of credit for the fact that they didn't just absolutely fall apart for decades. Um, I think that James Franklin. And we'll get into this when we do our Penn state preview. And I hope you all are enjoying our, our Penn state or our big 10 previews that we're producing with big banter every week. But Penn state is very interesting because they have been building up through recruiting to where they're at this year, to where there's a legitimate shot for them to not only win the big 10, but go to the college football playoff. And if the schedule the schedule really didn't do them a ton of favors, they do get Michigan at home, but they have to come to Ohio state and they if if it's gonna come down to where if they can go 11 and one they've got a very good shot even if they don't win the big ten to getting into the college football playoff which I know is one of your predictions
2: what, guys, it, so. it's just gonna be it's it's such a crazy scenario you look at the big ten Eric it is very conceivable we see four 11 and one teams in this conference
1: yeah we've talked about this during one and of the it's previews, just it's so. crazy
2: I've never seen anything like it
1: yeah. Let's do a quick commercial break. We got a really fun segment to end on for tonight's show. So um, 30 seconds, we'll be right back. And then we're going to talk about intimidation.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,
1: The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at Onlinemastermind.com. All right, guys, so here is our third and final segment for tonight's show. And uh, this one is going to be a lot of fun.
2: You didn't open it right, Eric. You should have opened it with the kid from Little Giants saying, you want intimidation? I'll show you intimidation.
1: That's one of your favorite movies, man. I know that. You You love that Little Giants movie. All right. So top five most intimidating Buckeyes of all time. Now, intimidating to the opponent. That's what we're, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Now, Chris and I came to a very clean, good consensus of our top four. Number five was where we struggled to find who would be number five. There's a lot of good ones to choose from. Okay. And what it boiled down to was this. It had to be in their college years. Okay. Okay. We took pros and we took that out because if you take the pro career, there's a, there is, it is obvious who number one is, and he's not number yeah. one on our list. Okay. um, Because we, we removed the pro career. We said just in college, who was the most intimidating Buckeyes in their collegiate careers. And we threw this out on Twitter because we really struggled to find number five. So, let's let's start with with who we didn't choose chris okay let's get that out of the way because i know right now some of you are going to be like uh this is crazy right yeah facebook you say hey just chimed in Uh, what is the list so far great question we haven't started it so you're you're right on time my friend okay who is not in the top five that has an argument my one of my all-time favorite buckeyes Number 47, A.J. Hawk. Not on the list. He's not in the top five. I wanted to put him there. I tried to put him in there. But I could not replace anybody in the top four or who number number five is with him. Because even though he had the long blonde hair and he hit like a Mack truck, this is about intimidation. Now, if you ask Brady Quinn...
2: Yeah, I'm sure if he's intimidating
1: or not. He might say, yeah, he's intimidating. But for me, number five was still more intimidating. All right, here's another one where you guys are going to be like, what? Okay, i not not in the top five again. Chris Spielman. A lot of you say Chris Spielman is really intimidating. He might have been incredibly intimidating on the field, especially, at, you know, ask Iowa, right? But he is not. When I look, when we broke down these top yeah. five guys, we couldn't replace them with him.
2: He was textbook, Eric. I didn't think he was yes. overly intimidating. He was just the most sound, proficient, and let's face, kind of pretty vicious linebacker. But he wasn't intimidating.
1: Kuzino, um, another one. Mm-hmm. Stillwagon, another guy. I mean, these are these are great. You know, we. Buckeyes.
2: We talked about Dante Wittner and some of the hard hit Dante lead.
1: Wittner. Yeah. yeah
2: Got guy his name to hitner. He hit so hard, but
1: yeah, you, you um, know, here, we just here's one. Name. Here's one. Here's a name that a lot of you might not even remember, but the dude absolutely has one of the hardest hits ever in college football. Dumas. Mike, that, Dumas. Aub, that Auburn, game, he about decapitated somebody, right? All right. So, Oh, we got some predictions. Paul Buckeye thinks it's Tatum, number one. Larry Daniels says it's got to be Jack Tatum, right? Okay. I All right. Here we go. Here's how we're going to do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to be playing highlights of these guys. And uh, these are all random. Some are, you know, just a clip, uh, one clip. Some of them are talking about the player at two to three minutes. But – um. Oh, we got Frank on tonight. He says the big cat. Cat's a moyer. Here we go. Here's number five. Are you ready? Big Daddy, Dan Wilkinson.
0: snap because Wilkinson was off like a bullet this time and he just did not have time to let that play develop. There's a timeout situation. Illinois a full complement with 57 ticks left before Tim Brando in the game will take over. Oh what a hit from behind. Wilkinson. Before he leaves this school. This was fairly good protection for about two or three counts. But then Wilkinson overpowers Boyer, number 26. Second and 10. Look out, Kenny. What a game for Wilkinson. Coming from his side, you see with the play action, it's really his blind side. Fights through the block, hits him very well. They like to get the ball to Kralik in these situations. delivered by Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson. They held Indiana to only 238 yards, only 31 by rushing. They will get the playoff. The end around to Tyler Anderson. Not enough help, and he dropped the football. Ohio State's Danny Wilkinson's on top of it. Big Daddy pursues one way, sees it go the other way. Now, you got no chance of catching that guy, Big Daddy. Why are you running? Well, fumble. Why not? I'll hang around and
1: see what happens. (laughs) There was the highlight of Big Dad. We forget how awesome he was. I'll
2: tell you what, that Illinois quarterback is probably still having nightmares, man.
1: That was the and, game and, of a and, lifetime. And, and I cut know, out some of the highlights from yeah. that game from him. He was dominating that game.
2: And that that first play, that running back, he couldn't do that anymore because it almost looked like it gave him a right hook when he came through there. It would have penalized him for that. But you know, you're know, yeah. right, so many people forget. First of all, the guy was a beast, 6'4", 340 pounds. He always had that scowl on his face, man. If you remember, do you remember the Sports Illustrated uh, draft day, uh, draft edition from back in '94? Where, man, he wasn't even trying to smile. He
1: just, I've got that somewhere. I've got that magazine
2: somewhere. And oddly, you know, he was. There's only been 16 defensive players ever drafted number one in the modern era. 16.
1: I did not know that.
2: Only two of them were defensive tackles: Dan Wilkinson and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson.
1: Ooh, okay, Russell Wilson,
2: from Maryland or from not Maryland, from uh, Miami or Russell Maryland, Russell Maryland. Okay, Maryland from Miami.
1: I, I was thinking maybe yeah. Warren Sapp.
2: No, um, if, right team, right era, just the <laughs> wrong guy.
1: <laughs> we got some more. We got some more guesses here. Chase Young, uh, Ro, uh, Paul Buckeye says Chase Young. Robert Allen says Bosa. Bosa's not on this list, especially no. Nick. Nick was. Nick. Well, Nick only played about three day, three
2: games.
1: Yeah, through. his junior year. N- Joey,
2: an argument could be made.
1: Yeah, an argument could be made, but you just saw what intimidation yeah. looked like. Yeah,
2: Six four, dumb, 340
1: pounds. That's that's intimidation. If we were talking about skill, yeah, okay, I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you that. Um, how about the combo of JT and Jack with? um hall in the middle um is what robert allen says there so i don't know if i saw this one yet or, or threw this one up chase young bobby carpenter tatum orlando pancake pace and zach boren from Bob, bobby
2: carpenter definitely played mean i mean he may be the only person to get ejected for kicking a guy in the head i don't know but, you,
1: you couldn't pick you couldn't pick bobby carpenter he's on the same team with aj hawk. hawk
2: right that, AJ that Hawk hurt. was
1: much more intimidating than Bobby Carpenter was. I mean, but, if you
2: look at Dan Wilkinson, he was just a guy that if you saw him walking down the street with that scowl on his face, you were crossing the street. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so here, here we go. Out of our list, okay, four out of the five play defense. This is our lone offensive player, okay? We've ta- we talked about Archie Griffin. Could be considered intimidating. But –
2: he wasn't you know, scary enough to be intimidating, though.
1: He was he might, so nice. He might,
2: he, his play was scary. He was not.
1: This guy, however, yeah. And I have a story about this guy. Number four, Orlando Pace. All right. So, Orlando Pace, number four, our lone offensive guy. Um, What do you think, man?
2: Well, I'll tell you, nobody ever dominated an offensive line the way Orlando Pace did. I mean, 6'7", 300 pounds, just huge, scary man. And he threw grown men around like rag dolls, Eric. <laughs> I mean, he made more pancakes than IHOP. And that is obviously <laughs> no brainer for this list. And you know what? If I am Eddie George right now after watching this, I am picking up the phone and taking this man out to dinner again. Pe- him sure and Pepe Pearson, many, yeah. I'm sure he did it many times over the years. But I'll tell you what, th- that man opened some serious lanes and allowed one Mr. Eddie George to get himself a Heisman Trophy.
1: Yeah. Um. So I met Orlando Pace. I got to meet Orlando Pace. I am not a small guy by any, any means, okay?
2: Until you stand next to Orlando Pace. <laughs> when I stood
1: next to Orlando Pace, he could have took his hand and just, like, I mean – there he, you there's nothing you can do there's okay so we just got done calling big daddy dan wilkinson one of the top 5 most intimidating guys i guarantee you dan wilkinson was intimidated by orlando pace and he know, was the- he was andre the giant and the, from the wwf back in the day on the field but could move like a freaking running back yeah just
2: insane. And such great footwork. You know, it was amazing. And, and Eric, let me tell you, you know, we. People may say, oh, well, you're just taking the biggest dudes you can find to put them on this list. No, we're no, not. No, it's about dominance. If we were doing strictly the biggest dudes on this list, Dewan Jones would be right at the top.
1: Exactly. Dewan Jones he, was the biggest buck is guy big, ever. He a big, talented
2: man. But you know what? He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't bust this list because these guys. You know, they were just intimidating when they stepped on the field, when they stepped off the field, anything, you know, wherever they were, they were an intimidating figure.
1: Robert Allen says you could have put Eddie George on this list. No. And I'll tell you why, because he's not even the most intimidating running back. He was maybe one of the most talented, if not the most talented after Archie Griffin, but the most intimidating running back ever at Ohio State's Keith Byers. Yeah. Easily Keith Byers. And if not him, Bob Ferguson, look him up, look him up. Yep. Um. So Pete Johnson as well. Yeah,
2: Pete. Yeah.
1: Um. So. Uh, it's, it's this is really this is really tough to make these arguments. Frank makes a really good argument. He goes, I can argue Schlegel was more intimidating than Hawk and Carpenter. Act- just nuts. <laughs> that's actually a good point because Schlegel has very few brain cells left, and the dude is just crazy. So. Yeah, I you actually, Frank, you make a very good point with that one. I'm interested where Paul Buckeye is getting this one from, Chris Gamble. Chris Gamble was awesome, but intimidating? Like, intimidating means you're scared to play the person before you even play it down.
2: Now, what he could be coming at you with, Eric, is he was intimidating in the fact that you would have to plan or make a game plan specifically around this guy. And maybe it's because he played all three facets. Well, if, if we're
1: gonna do, if but we're if gonna, you're gonna
2: do that, it's a completely different type of list.
1: Exactly. Then we then we literally should say Marvin Harris Junior's on this list.
2: Well, I would argue that if we did that, he'd be number one on this list.
1: So so this is, yeah another one Mike Doss again Mike Doss great player I don't know that you call him
2: heavy hitter but not
1: super intimidating these these were guys who literally put the fear of God in the opponents. All right, Dan Wilkinson, Orlando Pace, five and four. Now we get into the top three. Another good one that we struggled with. We talked about this we one, Donald. About him. Ryan Shazier, I think, could make this list with the collisions he would cause with the speed he had. We talked about that one, but again, there's just there's intimidation that comes not only from how you play, but how you how you are presented. How you are portrayed, how you carry yourself, what you look like when you get off the bus, when you walk onto the field, when you you just look different and you play at a different level. Um, Ryan Shazier was awesome, no doubt about it. Uh, We talked about him, so you bring up a good one there.
2: You you have to have a water boy factor is what you need, Eric. You, You have to be like the water boy. You know, Bobby Boucher, he... He, he acted like Schlegel, but played like AJ Hawk, and that's kind All of right. what. It,
1: <laughs> he All did. right, here we go. This one, most recent guy on our list. Again, I have a story for him. Number three, defensive end, the Predator, Chase Young. Chase Young is is a freak. He can
2: be an impact defensive player from day one.
0: Under pressure, down he goes. The pocket collapsed, and Chase Young got there. Chase Young's an absolute game wrecker. He's unblockable on the edge. There is Chase Young showing his value
1: once more. I feel like I'm the most out the player in the country. I'm a fierce competitor.
0: His specialty, the strip sack, is the single most demoralizing play inflicted on any offense. Knocked away from him by Chase Young. Chase Young, the disruptor. Chase Young having a field day.
1: For a defensive end, the biggest play that can, you know, change the game is a sack fumble. You see this year, that's all I've been trying to do.
0: It's Chase Young again. I feel like that's changed the, the momentum of a game. He is ruining offenses, and they're going to have to figure out, you got to with at least two guys, maybe three. The most gifted, the most driven, the deepest hunger, the sharpest edge. What I put out this year is, uh, you know, I feel like the best that
1: people may have seen in a while. Chase Young, to me, is probably going to be the best prospect.
0: Highest grade I've had on a defensive player since Von Miller. I mean, that's how special wow. I think this guy has a chance to be. He will be expected to be Jadavion Clowney. He will be expected to be Miles Garrett. And he has the capability and the skill set to do exactly that. Be that feared pass rusher, that game wrecker. And a great athlete, pass rushing is mildly interesting. A guy with great technique but not a great athlete, I can handle that. A guy that has both, that guy's dangerous. That guy's Chase Young. If I'm coming off the ball, I do have a
1: move in my mind, but then I have a counter in my back pocket. I'm yeah, waiting there. I think it's just more really trusting the technique. Sometimes I turn into a fangirl. I'll sit back and just watch
0: like, man, what in the world. world? His versatility is is uh, off the charts. He'll play the run, but he'll also go and get the quarterback. He's under pressure and swapped by the pass rush again. Guess who? Chase Young. What advice would you give to someone who has to try to block you?
1: <laughs> I would say, um... Only thing I really can say is, uh, just like I'm gonna do my best, you do your best, and uh, on that given day, the best man
0: will win. And good luck. <laughs>
2: Chase Young, to me, is the best player in this draft class. Chase Young, I think, is the safest pick in the NFL draft. Chase Young has all of the tools. And if you need a guy that's going to be an instant impact for you, that'll be able to help contribute to your team immediately, Chase Young is that guy. Chase Young, I think, is a Julius Peppers type of player. He is like a Nick Bosa-esque, like that, that level of good. I'm a huge Bosa guy. Joey and Nick, I had... Hugely high grades on both of those guys.
0: Joey Bosa is a handful. Pressure again. Bosa's got it. And brought down at the one by Nick
2: Bosa. Chase Young is more talented than Nick and Joey. He might not be quite as developed at this point in terms of his hand usage and leverage and, and some of the little things, but he is so explosive. He's so athletic. Chase Young
0: is one of these like special generational type talents. And if I'm Washington, I'm praying that, that the number one overall pick is, is Joe Burrow so that we can get this guy. This guy
1: had stood next to Chase Young. I was at a Buckeye game. We, I, we both saw him in person. Mm-hmm. You know, when he walks by you, you shudder a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh, that dude is, he He looks like like a cartoon character. He looks like He-Man. Yeah. I mean, he's just chiseled, okay? He's a Greek god. And he was so good that, that junior year, man. Unblockable. Um, so he had to be number three on this list for me. Um, best defensive end at Ohio State as far as being the most intimidating? I think so. There, We've had some pretty good defensive ends at Ohio State, but he, in my opinion, was indeed the most intimidating, Chris.
2: Well, like you said, he's, he was chiseled out of the guy was a – 264 pound granite statue with the power of a Mack truck and the speed of a of a Ferrari. The guy—that's that, probably the best way to describe him. And then you know, the the visor when he'd have the visor on or the, the shades, and then the just the flowing locks, like you know, that got him his predator nickname. I mean, just he was a scary dude to look at. I mean, I would not want to be a quarterback seeing that guy coming at me
1: yeah so here's the something else that's interesting about this i just realized this and i can't reveal it because we reveal our top two every one of these guys had a nickname every yeah. single one of them had a nickname all right yeah. the next two are not as the, the videos are not as long we're going back in the uh, archives here a little bit okay um number two i never got to watch in person Um, only just read about and then watch some highlights here are here's real quick it's like 30 seconds maybe 40 seconds of just two or three quick highlights of number two the assassin jack tatum it's it's, it was old tape yeah (laughs) old tape guys so uh no volume on those but all right man when you get the nickname assassin
2: assassin yeah
1: And I'm here to tell you that everybody who ever played with him in college told you that he hit harder than anybody else. He might have not have been the tallest. He might not have been the fastest. He wasn't the biggest or strongest. But the dude was absolutely a killer on the football field. Literally a killer. He looked to kill people. Yeah. He played with a mean streak that is illegal to play with today. Mm-hmm. Just being straight That's honest really with
2: else. you. Yeah.
1: He absolutely wanted to main people, kill them, put them on their backside, paralyze them.
2: He hit and, you to cut you in half. And he, he did. did. He tried to put he, a, he, he, tried he, to paralyzed
1: to it. He paralyzed the guy on yeah. literally and never apologized for it. Because he said, This is football. This was my job. And I'm you know what that's who i am jack tatum um you know you guys are bringing up some really good ones you know robert allen forget bobby boucher his mama was worst (laughs) (laughs) he's speaking he's on a love language there yeah donald hoffer the little animal had a mean streak
2: we put we kind of put him in that spielman category yeah we did He's, he's
1: He's so good. So good. So textbook three-time all American man. Like, yeah, but again, he wasn't, you know, he had a nickname though. You give you that, but he, uh, he wasn't Jack Tatum. All right. And he definitely is not this guy, the most intimidating Buckeye in our opinion of all time. And I, I, in fact, I'll just show one play. One play will show everything about how awesome and intimidating this guy was. Number one, the big cat, Andy Katzenmoyer. We haven't heard much from young Katzenmoyer in this game so far. Second down and 10. There's number
0: 45. Buckeyes would love a second turnover. Trouble takes off. Cuts three, short of the first down, and there he is. The big cat delivers the blow, and Jones is nailed short of the first down. Hello, Mr. Katzenmoyer. Man, did you hear the air go out of this stadium when number 45 plants his helmet right on the number 7 in this black jersey? Man. That's why he's going to win the Butkus Award for the best linebacker in the country. Nobody in college football hits like that.
2: Was was it easy to watch, Eric? Wow.
1: <laughs> was it illegal? No. I mean it wasn't then, but I'm saying it, would he get would he get nailed for targeting for that?
2: I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think he hit more at the pads. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, it was just it was just a vicious hit. I don't care what area you're playing in, that was a vicious hit. Uh, you know, it was it he was I mean you look, you look at the big cat, 6'3", 255, you know, the speed of the, uh, the speed of a jungle cat. He really had it, man. He was so big, so strong, so fast. And when he hit you, you stayed hit. Uh, you know, just an amazing all-around player. I wish his pro career had gone better for him, although you know he's he got a little bit of time up there in New England. Um, but, yeah, I just really wish that, that he would have had a better pro career because I'll tell you, he was just icon, iconic, vicious, call it what you will. He was the big cat.
1: My friends and I used to watch the, uh, the games at each other's houses all the time, and uh, my buddy Todd Hawkins, he would, he would have a thing where he called it the Katzimoyer cam. Yeah. where he would be like, where's where's, where's number 45? Where's number 45? Where's he at? He'd point him out on TV. You know, Andy Katzemoyer was such a great recruit coming out of high school. They literally let him wear number 45. Yeah. He tells you everything he, you need to know.
2: It really does because he's the only person since Archie to wear it. And Archie gave his blessing to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm always amazed how big the shoulder pads were back then.
2: That's <laughs> because he had such a big pair of shoulders under
1: him, Larry. He was massive, <laughs> man. He was massive. He is, in my opinion, in the most intimidating guy uh, that's ever ever played for Ohio State, in my opinion. Um, so here's roll. what... here. <laughs> here's what I noticed about this. We're in overtime, guys. We're we're, we're going over here. What was you, Eric? Yeah, I know. Here's, here's, here's what I've noticed. They all had nicknames. Big Daddy. The Pancake. The Predator. The Assassin. The Big Cat. They all had nicknames. Here's something else that's interesting. Three of them played for John Cooper. Yeah. That's interesting.
2: Here, like I said, if we would have been in the playoff era under Cooper at least two national titles
1: um that was that's very interesting as well uh so yeah you know it's hard for me to go back beyond the cooper era though um and pick out guys who are intimidating because i think because as soon as you do you instantly go to jack tatum right yeah instantly uh which we did he was number two on our list um, and I tell you, a lot of the more recent guys, outside of Chase Young, I just don't know how intimidating they're, they're,
2: they've been. They're they're not what I would call intimidating. They're great finesse technique players. They're exceptional talents, but just not. You know, they're not the intimidating players that was. In fact, I would say that honestly, in college football as a whole, I think we've gone. Very much that way. The last truly intimidating player I can remember coming out of college would probably be Miles Garrett. Um, I don't outside know how, of Chase Young.
1: Um, who was the linebacker for South Carolina? Clowney?
2: Janavian Clowney. Was
1: he, was he defensive end, maybe? Not necessarily. Like, yeah, uh, he was intimidating.
2: Yeah, I see. Yes, well, uh, the kid from uh, now college, yes, pros, no. Courtney Brown from Penn State.
1: Okay.
2: He was he was pretty intimidating. He was a defensive end as well. Um,
1: so I don't know, guys. I this was an interesting this was an interesting thing for Chris and I to work through this week because again, we, we we agreed on the top four. We had no arguments with each other in the top four. When we got to number five, we struggled a little bit until I'm finally I was just like, Look, Big Daddy was the number one draft pick. Go back one. Go back and watch his highlights, and then you'll agree. And, it, yeah, he needed to be on that list. So I hope you guys enjoyed that, man. Uh, I have – oh, oh Donald Hoffer brings up a good one. Paul Malu from USC. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Definitely when he got to Pittsburgh, but, right? Yeah.
2: And, that, and that's what I'm trying to think. I think he made his, his bones more at Pittsburgh than he did at USC. I mean, he was good at USC, but I think he made his bones and his, 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 uh, you know, his reputation more in Pittsburgh.
1: It's hard to really pick intimidating guys from other programs, though, because you just don't follow them the same way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So,
2: uh, Maybe um, Adama Dom, Sue.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: And he was how he wasn't taken as a number one pick as a defensive tackle, I don't know.
1: That's a good because one. Because
2: he was probably, since Wilkinson, the most dominant defensive tackle to come out of college.
1: Yeah. Um, here's, here's another one. You guys want to talk about small guys, but yet intimidating. How about Deion Sanders?
2: Oh, yeah. You couldn't even throw the same side of the field as that guy.
1: Very intimidating. But this is
2: the thing I would say, because even Sanders himself said it. Deion didn't tackle.
1: And This is but it was all a different form of intimidation, right? Yeah, oh, it, oh, his, Paul his Buckeye just won it. Paul Buck, Paul Buckeye, absolutely. Bosworth. Brian Bosworth. Yes. And that brings up the one running back that I would think is intimidating. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson would have been intimidating.
2: Yeah. I can remember watching him at Auburn. He was. You, you know, people always talked about the old Tecmo mobile bow. He yeah. kind of looked like that in college. He yeah. really did.
1: Yeah. Um, well, what about the what about the Georgia running back um back in like the 80s? Herschel uh, Walker. Herschel Walker. He was a big he dude. Was
2: good. Oh, he's he still a big dude.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. but Paul Buckeye, that's a great one. Bosworth. That guy was intimidating. <clears throat> <laughs> oh. So you're going back to talent and not meanness with the Sanders.
2: That's kind of yeah. That's kind of yeah.
1: I guess I am a little bit there, Donald. I I, I guess I he wouldn't be. He would like, listen. He wouldn't take the place of any of those top five guys in Ohio no. State. I'm just saying there was there was a little bit of form of intimidation there. Maybe um,
2: I'm trying but to think. You can find other... like, psychological intimidation in so so many of of these. Yeah, you know, Rick, Ricky Williams, quite a Texas yeah. running back. He he was really good. He, you know, he had to formulate a whole game plan around. Oh, what was the
1: game. what was the what was the quarterback from Texas that Vince won the Young. Heisman? Vince Young. Um, if you're gonna go that route, and
2: actually, he kind of was intimidating because he was
1: He's a big physically
2: dude. a big man as well.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm trying but to he, think of Cam um, Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton was a big quarterback too. Yeah. But, again, none of those guys would, would beat like Bosworth, no. the Big Cat, Tatum. yeah.
2: Bosworth is the only one who might be able to sneak his way into our top five.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I would agree with that. All right, guys, we, it's, it's, it's my bedtime. I got to go to work tomorrow. Great show. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming in. We've got six left or five?
2: Six previews left
1: six you're previews about, uh what well, No, I'm talking, talking about, about the shows. Sundays yeah before the season kicks off
2: five now
1: is it all, we're down to 5 are we five
2: this week was the sixth oh my it?
1: gosh yes we are five Sundays left and then we kick off the season in Bloomington, Indiana that next Sunday night guys which would be the 3rd September the 3rd I believe because I think we kick off on September the 2nd September the 3rd you guys will want to be here we're doing a live call-in show we want all of you to come in We'll drop the link uh, in the show notes before for everybody in the comment section. You can use your cell phone. You can use the computer. But we want to bring you guys in to be a part of those shows. We will have a guest on every week as our third guest for um, the first part of the show. They are more than welcome to stick around if they like. Uh, for the second part, which will be the call-in show for all of you. So we want to invite everybody to be a part of our call-in show, we'll talk about the good, the bad, or the ugly from the game the night before. And then we'll also have our previews during the week for everybody still as well. So um, that is the plan for this upcoming season. Five more shows. we got some. We got some good guests lined up uh, for we these do. next few weeks, uh, one that's really surprising for a lot of you. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, we've got our big previews. Be on the lookout for that. Go to our YouTube channel. Check out the previews that we have. We are On Tuesdays and Thursday nights, we drop them. This week, we've got uh, Illinois and Rutgers coming at you. And then next week, I think it is Minnesota and I believe Wisconsin. Uh, I'll have to double check that. And,
2: and, and Illinois and Rutgers, Eric, they, those guys are, are awesome. The big banner guys from Illinois and Rutgers, they were a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Robert Allen makes a great put, point. Dion would be on the biggest mouth list. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There you go. There Not intimidating, but maybe a biggest mouth. Awesome. All right, guys, that's our show for this week As always be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH it's in St. Carmen Ohio with all your heart until next time. OH. IO. go bucks.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.